Today's conversation is brought to you by Youth Theology Network. They are your resource for helping high school students understand if God is calling them to ministry. Their online hub is where you can connect with programs across the country, direct students to a program that meets their needs, read inspiring stories, and find vocational discernment resources. With YTN, you can help students take their next faithful step. For more information, please visit youththeologynetwork.org. That's youththeologynetwork.org. I am sitting here in front of you today as a Native woman who has accepted Jesus, who that's a priority in my life. I see creation as a huge part of both Christianity and indigeneity, the protection of land, the protection of water, those foundational aspects of what it means to be a Native American and community. Those three things I see very clearly within scripture. And so for me, it's very easy to fall back on scripture and say, this is, this is why these go so well together. Today's conversation is the podcast of the National Association of Evangelicals. I'm your host, Walter Kim, NAE president. In these conversations, we seek to help evangelicals foster thriving communities and navigate complexity with biblical clarity. My conversation is with Mariah Humphreys, Muskogee Nation citizen, writer, and educator. She shares her experience navigating Native and non-Native cultures and how she embraces both her Christianity and identity as a Native American. Instead of an either-or, here's our conversation. Thanks for joining us today, Mariah. I'm really grateful that you're willing to share your voice and perspective with us, and I'm looking forward to our conversation to learning from you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, Mariah, let's just begin with your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, about your Native American heritage. Absolutely. Well, before I get started, I just want to recognize that I'm on the ancestral lands of the Tawakoni, Tonkawa, the Lipan Apache, the Comanche, and the Hueco, which today is known as Waco, Texas. And it's just always important for me to take a moment just to acknowledge um, that we are on native land and to lament the um, removal from those lands. And so I just wanted to be grateful today for their stewardship of the land. And so thank you for having me. I'm a citizen of the Muscogee Nation, which is originally from the southeast part of the country, today in Oklahoma primarily. And I'm also German, Scottish, and Czech. So I live kind of between the space of Euro ancestry and then being Native American as well, which is part of my overall story. But I grew up kind of all over the place. My dad was part of uh, church planting across the Southwest. So I grew up in Nevada and primarily New Mexico and also through Oklahoma to Kansas and then also in Texas. So when I'm asked where I'm from, it usually ends up being I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we'll go with that today. So I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was part of a pastor's family. So my dad was a, a senior pastor while I was growing up. I am still part of a pastor's family. My husband's a senior pastor. And I grew up knowing about my Native heritage, growing up around um, Native Americans on a very regular basis within the community there. And then also growing up, learning and respecting and honoring my Eurocentric 
um, heritage as well. So my German side, my Czech side, my Scottish side. And so I'm very connected to my history, my histories, I guess you could say, Mm. but I'm primarily from the Southwest. I will go with that today. Mm. Mariah, it's so intriguing, your life uh, history, your narrative. Um, I have to ask you, how how do you navigate um, the various cultures and histories that you're a part of, your Native American cultures and your non-Native American cultures? I think one of the beauties of, with respect to my parents, I was raised to be fully Mariah rather than part this, part that. I think a lot of times we, and I've even labeled myself, you know, biracial, um, you know, multi-ethnic, different labels I've placed on myself and that society places on me as well. But I grew up just knowing that I was wholly who I am, Um, my European, my European ancestry was talked about in my home. My native ancestry was talked about in my home. And it was just very natural for me to be all of those rather than I'm half this, I'm a quarter this, I'm an eighth this, because in reality, it doesn't matter what my bloodstream shows. I have been brought up to respect all of those cultures to be part of those. And yeah, I, I navigate the in-between but I definitely identify it and navigate this space, this life as a Muscogee woman, because I visually represent what a Native American typically would look like, even though Native Americans are white and brown and black, and we are this, you know, the scale of skin tones. Mm-hmm. But I primarily um, respect and identify as a Muscogee woman because that is more of a marginalized group of what I represent. And so I tend to really make sure that I am educating in that space and talking about that space. And, you know, we often talk about, you know, the check mark of, of what we identify as, and I want to make sure that that side is always represented. And so I tend to focus more on my native side because that is something that is less known and people just don't really understand a lot of times. And then there's the complexity of being, Christian and native and the layeredness that often comes with that identity as well. Mm. All right. We're going to have a lot to unpack in this conversation, (laughs) but uh, you bring up the uh, educational side of things. And so educate us. There's um, a lot of ways that uh, native people have been portrayed in society and history. What would you say are some of the inaccuracies and what would you actually wish to emphasize uh, about what it means to be native? We all had the same, primarily the same history growing up, right? So even in, as being a native American, unless I was in a native native space, I also had the same history growing up. I read the same books. We had you know, kind of the same teacher um, presentations of what a Native American is. And so we're pretty much pinpointed through specific times of history, which sometimes does not present us in, in the best light. And one of the things that I've realized, just knowing more about myself, my ancestry, other Native Americans, I mean, there are 574 federally recognized tribal nations. So that's cultures and languages, all of these Um, layers of what it means to be indigenous. And so growing up, I also learned 
who I was through the eyes of society and through the eyes of the education that I also had just with my non-Native counterparts. And one of the things that I realized was Native Americans didn't necessarily shift throughout history, but the narrative of who the Native American was had to shift in order to justify actions that were taken against Native Americans. And that's one of the things that as an adult, I really began to kind of internalize was I don't have to necessarily defend or try to shift history. I just have to present the representation, um, the who Native Americans were continually, and then try to correct the mindset of how we went from, you know, peaceful, welcoming to, you know, your pilgrims. We were coming up on, you know, when you have Thanksgiving, we have the peaceful pilgrim, which is always something that we emphasize in school. But then as we go through our history, we go into colonization and the the narrative shifts for the Native American. And we become somebody who needs to be saved, somebody who um, needs to be Christian, which I'm also a Christian. So I fully stand by Christianity, but you know, we, we need to force this upon people, um, your mission work. And then we even shift again as we move out West and we have settlerism and we become more of what we almost become in our founding documents, which is savage. And it not necessarily because the native has changed or shifted, but that narrative has to change and shift as well to be able to justify. I'm literally wanting to put a stake in the ground, even though this is native land. And that's prob- probably the biggest part of the misconception about the Native American that I try to address when I speak to people, when I educate, when I'm writing is to be able to talk about the Native American with the consistency of who we were, rather than we moved from this to this to this throughout history. And then we kind of just fall off the page around the mid 1800s, like we we no longer exist. And so I really just try to navigate that with people and bring them along in that space of this is really the reality that there was a um, perception of the Native American that needed to shift in order to justify some of the actions that were taking place in order to create the space that we call America today. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pull on the thread of the inherent diversity and complexity of indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that, you know, you, you had mentioned 574 recognized tribes. I mean, that's extraordinary. And yeah. you've already alluded to the fact that um, skin tones, I mean, all of it is represented right. um, in terms of skin tone. So even when we are talking about native um, culture, we're, we're actually talking about native cultures, it seems that, yes. and, and how would you describe some of that diversity uh, within uh, native American cultures? Yeah, we're talking about hundreds of cultures, right? And so one of the things that I have realized is I need to be a continual student of my own people. We have our individual tribal nations and I've learned about my tribal nation individually. And then there's the collective of native America or for, you know, first nations, Matisse, Inuit in Canada. And one of the things that 
I have realized is we are not a monolith, right? So we not only do we not look alike, but our languages are different. Our cultures are different and it's regionally based as well. We're going to have different priorities, you know, in a Southeast region than we do along the plains. We're going to relay differently. Um, You know, some spaces of Native America, our culture was very much tied to a location, maybe a, a region, but a small space within that region. And we were very much planted there. And then you have others who were roaming, right? They followed the buffalo. They followed seasons. They followed what the land was doing at the time. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Native America. Oftentimes we talk about, I get asked quite a bit, have you ever lived in a teepee? Do you know anything about teepees? I'm like, I'm actually learning about teepees because I'm actually not from that part of the country, those tribal nations that did utilize, you know, moving and seasonally being based, right? So I think that's one of the biggest things about the diversity, how we view creation is going to vary on what is being provided by the land in your space. How you view one another is going to be varied by how closely in proximity you are to other tribal nations. And are you kind of related in a sense? Do you have a lot of the same history? And so I think those are some of the things that, you know, the language alone is completely different. And I can say some things in Muscogee that does not mean that someone even regionally based like a Seminole or a Chickasaw will understand that because we are very different. And I think that is one of the things that is maybe misunderstood or maybe not even known about Native America is we are, you know, even your state recognized who are not federally recognized, hundreds of varieties of cultures that we're talking about that I don't even know. And I'm continually looking up and becoming a student of my own people and how I can learn about their cultures. How does that kind of tie into what I know about my culture and where are the connecting points? Because we do have so many collective points that we come and we're unified and struggles and crises that we need to identify and that we need to make public and that we need to fight and try to protect together. But then there are, you know, the individual stories, uh, folklore, you know, even among that, but um, stories of how we were removed, how we fought removal, how we were forced to do this, or how we came in and decided that we were going to stand on this. Whatever the topic is, I think that is what's really beautiful and layered and deep about Native America. And we just tend to focus on the outward most layer, which is where we are the same, which usually comes in visual representation or hot topics that we want to talk about in our country currently. And I think that is one thing that's just missing is the reality that we are a complex grouping of tribal nations and sovereign nations. We have our own governmental systems. We have our own leadership and each one of us you know, whether it was a treaty that was made or signed, those were done by individual tribal nations, not this collective mm. of Native America. And so there's just a whole bunch of things within that. But I'm learning the more that I do know, the less I know. Mm. So I'm I'm really a student of my own people right now. And I'm 
trying to learn more about those cultures and where did uh, language start to you know disappear? What is going on with languages today? And really trying to bring those topics out as I speak, even as a Muscogee woman, being able to share you know what the Hadatsa are facing in the Dakotas and being able to, um, as I learn more, be able to bring those to the forefront. Hmm. Well, there's a, a posture of humility that you're demonstrating, an openness to learn, a curiosity that I find really intriguing, very encouraging, uh, but also it points to a complex situation um, and a complex history that you're retelling for us. Um, I want to pick up on some of that complexity, and you've already alluded to the retelling of history uh, about Native Americans that has been you know, altered depending on the needs of the historical moment. Um, How do you process that of the movement of whether it's the peaceful uh, pilgrim narrative or the, you know, one of aggressor or the one of savage? I mean, you've alluded to a number of different things. Um, What's important for us to, to learn from that experience and how it might apply to the present challenges in our, in our country. I think there are a lot of things that we are doing in our current state of our country. Um, one of the things is we, we are looking at um, diversity as this, this negative. Um, a lot of times we we talk about, Hey, let's, let's really talk about where we have things in common. And I've, one of the things I, try to encourage people to do is also view Native Americans as some things that we do have in common, how we functioned as communities, how we automatically kind of moved into to leadership and roles and how, you know, our person, our respect for neighbor was very important. And I kind of automatically connect those to my faith as well and how that plays in those foundational aspects of Christianity. And so I try to bring what I know Native Americans did quite a bit to a faith-based person as well and be like, these are some things that Native America also did. You know, there, there was a priority of um, helping the person next to you. There was a priority of listening to the person that was next to you. And that's one of the things that I try to bring most forward, even though there's a lot of things I can talk about how we are different from the culture today in the U.S., um, from Native America. I try to really bring out some of the ways that we are the same, because I feel like when it comes to Native Americans, we do focus so much on the the differences. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Even culturally, it's uh, that's interesting that you guys do that, but that's very different for me. And I, and I don't really accept that, or I don't want to focus on that. And so I really try to bring in how we are very similar, mm-hmm. and especially in that faith based space, I try to bring in those foundations of what it's like to love your neighbor as yourself, what it is like to everyone be created um, in the image of God and what that looks like and how diversity is is God's diversity and mm-hmm. how that is not necessarily um, because we have said you are different, you are different, you are different, um, but we are created with diversity. So I try to 
um, make sure that whenever I'm talking about a native space that I am bringing in the differences, yes, but really trying to bring in how we are very similar as well. Mm. You've mentioned the complicated relationship of Christianity um, with Indigenous populations. Um, again, how are you processing that? What is the the nature of the relationship um, between Christianity and Native American populations? And how do you work this out? Because both seem to be very much an aspect of everything that you've talked about up to this point. It's very important for me to talk about being a Muscogee Christian. I do realize the complexity and the harm and the hurt that has been done historically by the church on Native peoples. And I don't shy away from talking about those things because I love the church so much. I've dedicated my life to the church, right? So I love the church so much. So I want to be able to also bring some of these these things forward because I feel like it's the church and Christianity that will be able to heal some of these spaces. And that is something that's just very important to me as a native Christian, because I do consider them very much in unison and not as a conflicting part of me. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as, yeah, these two things are always butting up against each other. I see it flowing very easily and very smoothly in my life. I have to be reminded that it's not what somebody else says that I am. And I have to remind myself that it's who I am through God's eyes and who I was created to be. I am as I was created. I am sitting here in front of you today as a native woman who has accepted Jesus, who that's a priority in my life. I see creation as a huge part of both Christianity and indigeneity the protection of land, the protection of water, those foundational aspects of what it means to be a Native American and community, those three things I see very clearly within scripture. And so for me, it's very easy to fall back on scripture and say, this is this is why these go so well together. This is why this is a beautiful marriage of identities. And I always try to bring that to the forefront. I try to focus on what the words of Christ, where those directives, and I try to bring that forward in my life. And when I talk to people, because they do flow so seamlessly together. And I know historically they have been in conflict and there has been um, at times chaos, maybe some people would describe it as, and I just see it as not necessarily the labels of Christian that have been placed upon me that try to separate me from my identity as a Native American, Mm -hmm. but who I actually am, which is someone who has strong faith, someone who also identifies as Native and seeing where those two things marry together and where they mesh together. And so for me, that's not a conflict or a conflict of interest. I see where it is for a lot of people. But for me, it's very seamless. And I try to bring that out um, when I talk to people, because it's really important for me in both indigenous spaces 
and in non-Indigenous spaces to be able to see how historically we have always been at one another and how it does not have to be that way moving forward. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of um, diversity within a Christian space and you know a non-assimilated Christian space and be able to still hold on to culture, be able to hold on to what makes me native and so connected to my heritage and what also keeps me moving forward in faith. You've mentioned um, in a number of ways, the connection to the land and um, that takes different forms for different tribes in different parts of the country A connection, sure. you know, it's, is very different than the Southwest, what you just described or the Northern Plains or, you know, the, the relationship to the Buffalo and the uh, Great Plains. You've, you, you've, painted this really wonderful picture of the diversity of that. And yet there's also the common thread of the relationship to the land um, and how your faith as a follower of Jesus um, really gives not conflict, but cohesion to that as well. Um, I want to take that kind of beautiful picture of what you as a native woman can draw upon in a connection to the land. And then what you as a Christian um, draw upon in terms of care for creation. And I want to apply it into some of the other areas of um, deep tensions in our country, whether it's the area of um, racial justice and kind of the reckoning that we seem to be exploring. So in your experience as um, a Native American woman, a Christian how are you processing the nation's reckoning with racial issues in this very multicultural country that we live in? It is getting a little bit more difficult, I will admit. And the reason why it is getting a little bit more difficult to kind of have this conversation is I feel like that is Native culture tends to be connected to some sort of uh, politicized agenda. We typically will see those come out from certain sides of the aisle, whatever side it might be. And I think it's important to recognize that within Native issues that we talk about, which are heavily tied to land, right? You will see more of a a Native stance against things that happened um, to the land itself, under the land, uh, through the land, next to water. Those topics usually will come up to be political, but our issues and our history is not necessarily political. It's really about protection of those spaces. Um, And it's partially due to history. It is partially due to where we are located, where we have been relocated, uh, water and land are about all that some of our tribal lands have today. And so there's the, the literal protection of water sources. There's the little protection of um, ancestral lands of, you know, these are, these are burial sites. These are um, where our grounds are to be able to um, have our own space, our own identity, to be able to have this here. And when those are, Um, seen as being threatened, then we do step forward, which does come across more as a political stance. But historically and ancestrally, 
we utilize every part of the land and utilize, you know, water is water, water is life. I think we can all agree on that. You know, even certain parts of the country today, we're, we're scarce on water and it's a real concern. And so I think one of the things with Native America is there is this ancestral connection to a land, not in a strange way. It is utilizing the land. What is there? What can we grow? What can we not grow? Um, What animals are here right now? What are we close to seasonally? What's going to be available? You have to take care of that in order to survive, right? And I think today, as Christians, I see no difference between my Christian brothers and sisters when we post pictures, we go on vacations, we go on trips, and we, or, you know, here in here in Texas, we take a lot of sunset pictures. I don't know if you take sunset pictures where you are, but here we have a big sky and we love our sunset pictures. And there's always that reference to look at God, you know, God is good. Look at this or a mountaintop, you know, and looking out over the land, looking out over the water. And we always reference that in the, the idea of look at God doing this. God made this creation as a native Christian. It's the same thing. I just have a responsibility as well. We need to take care of the land. And so there is such a respect for that creation that we really try to make sure that that's protected and make sure that that stays a resource and make sure that that um, stays part of who we are. And so I really see that there is this, um, this sink that goes on between the two, but I have to get Christian um, friends to be able to see that. And I think sometimes it's terminology that's different in what we use. Uh, Most of my Christian friends don't go out and broadly talk about creation on a daily basis. And that's very basic to a native perspective on land. And so I think that's part of the conversation even today is being able to kind of go down below the outside pressure of keeping things a politicized conversation or designated to a certain side of an aisle. And we have to kind of look underneath that and say, okay, what, what are they saying? What are we saying? And I think as we grow in empathy for other people and grow in knowledge of other people, it becomes less scary and it becomes less of a threat. And we tend to see each other with, okay, yeah, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm also when it comes down to it, I'm also protective of land as a Christian, because I also see, you know, I see creation this way. I see how beautiful it is this way. And I want to make sure that that stays that way. And the way I view it is it's not necessarily a political topic. So yeah, I can see how that would also go with Native America. And it's just trying to tie those where we really are thinking a lot of the same way and being able to just get them to see the connection, whether that's making a connection between language or how things are interpreted, but just trying to bridge that gap that seems to be happening. And like, we're actually very much alike and and we view land and water the same way and so many different levels because we do respect creation because of the biblical text. And so just try to bridge that gap a bit with people around me. Mm-hmm. The complicated nature of the relationship um, between Native populations and Christianity um, sometimes might present 
barriers to presenting the Christian faith um, yeah. to again Native communities. What um, what have you found to be some of the best ways to share the gospel um, with Native Americans who are not believers who may in fact have very painful recollections of, of their history um, that present barriers? What have you found effective uh, for sharing the faith? This can be a tricky conversation. Um, there's a lot of hurt and and that's justified. There's a lot of pain that's been caused sadly by by Christians who I think misrepresented Christianity towards Native Americans. We have a lot of history when it comes to boarding schools and removal, um, forced assimilation, a whole bunch of different things that we could discuss within that hurt and that pain that has justified a lot of mistrust towards Christianity. I think one of the best ways to share Christianity with a Native American who is who's not a Christian is um, a, a by other by other indigenous people because there is there is a language that that we can share with one another. Um, you know, just when you're with your own people group, there is kind of that that vibe that you kind of get into and you're able to relate differently. I think that's important. I think one of the best ways um, is to be able to connect with local indigenous people. If if it's like a missions sort of focus, I'm not against missions, um, but I, I do feel like we need to bring in um, indigenous voices, local indigenous voices in order to best present that. I think there are some ways that we can talk about just who Jesus is that is a who Jesus is is something that it could be very easily connected to with Native Americans. Um, we do we are it, those of us who are not Christian are still very highly spiritual, and it's not just hey, there's nothing out there. We're just kind of here. There's a deep sense of spirituality, and even within some of our histories, there's almost there's this connection of there's this, there's this great spirit. There's um, someone who's following with us, who's, who's walking with us. There is someone who is guiding us. There's someone who is, you know, keeping us accountable, making sure that we are investing in other people. So there's, there's an easy way to be able to look at Christianity within an indigenous space when it comes down to the players when it comes down to um, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, who God is, there's some of those connecting points. It's the historical side that we have to get over. Mm-hmm. It's the distrust that we have to really work through. The acknowledgement, I think, is the biggest thing that m- is missing when we witness or share the gospel, whatever term you want to use, with indigenous people who are not Christian when when anything is presented in a way that's going to require assimilation, removal of who you are in order to become this, we do know that there are things that you have to give up to follow Christ, right? We know that those are there, but if it's presented in any sort of way that mirrors historical atrocities that have happened by the church, those are things that we have to change our language. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing is 
how we present the gospel cannot be the same way that's presented even decades ago mm-hmm. because it was very harmful. And so you have to use different terminology, but being able to just work exactly with who's involved here. It's not that you can now step into this church, but you can't dress this way because we have Native American churches all over that are that are Christian churches thriving and they're beautiful and they're multicultural. I've never been in a multicultural space like I have in a native space mm-hmm. with all these languages, all these tribal nations coming together. It's a beautiful place to be in. But there's not the requirement of you have to now what and, and then insert whatever is required, dress a certain way, no longer speak this language. You cannot um, identify this way. I think whenever those identifiers have to be removed, then those it it's just going to always push up against Christianity. We have a really difficult road to be able to continue to um, represent Jesus in the best way when it comes to Native America. I don't think it's impossible though, because I'm a multi-generational Christian in my Native nation. And there are a lot of us who are, and we see how that can work so well together. But as a non-Native coming into a space, it does make it a little bit more difficult, but it's what you talked about a little bit earlier with, um, you know, even humility coming in, there's the reality that has to be faced. And sometimes we just have to present Jesus in a different way. That is away from how we feel as, you know, how we identify as Christian, how we live out our Christian faith and how we choose to practice our faith through religion or denomination, what have you. And we have to be able to stay true to text, context, and who Jesus is in order to um, connect to a non-native or to a Native American who's a a Mm non-Christian. That's just a very, it's a tricky path. Mm -hmm. And it is happening. There are people all over the place who, you know, are are connecting with um, Native nations and sharing who Jesus is. And I think that is a beautiful thing when that happens. Uh, Native Christians are deeply um, connected to their faith and deep followers of Jesus, not Mm -hmm. necessarily to an Americanized Christian faith, though, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a really fantastic lesson. Not only about how to reach Native American friends or co-workers or communities, but those are lessons that apply in a variety of spaces. I mean, international, right. global relations um, and reaching neighbors in an increasingly secular post-Christian society where, I mean, there's all sorts of lessons here. Thank you. Right. Um as we draw things to a cl- close, what would you wish to highlight as an area of hope or maybe a beacon of light um, among Native Americans who are embracing Jesus as their savior? I think the beauty of being a Christian Native today is we are, in a sense, reclaiming a lot of things that we lost. We are reclaiming language that was forced to no longer be used. We are reclaiming um, our space, so to speak, our unassimilated space. I may not have always seen the beauty of this, but now there's a real beauty in recognizing that our language is a beautiful language and God created this language. 
there's a beauty there. There's something that's not embarrassing to stand up and try to defend um, and stand for protecting the elements, you know, land, water, air. Um, I don't have to be a, a political activist to be able to see the the need and the beauty of that. When before I was always like, um, I don't know if I can talk about that because it may sound strange to some people. And now I'm like, no, that that really needs to be part of what I talk about. And the beauty of creation, as in like Genesis one creation, like mm-hmm. the how we were really created to be and called good. Um, the diversity itself is something that I feel is beautiful about Native Christianity today and is often missed. We are presented as a one racialized group. And the reality is we are very layered within that. We've already talked about just numerically how layered we are and diverse we are within this one identity and this one label that so often gets put put on us. I think it just shows how much we are um, insistent on continuing and surviving and being able to bring faith into also that reclaiming of so many things that were lost of identity of language of culture and not things that would go against Christianity. I think that's important. I think a lot of people assume that native culture is non-Christian and there's a difference between, you know, culture and religion and just seeing the beauty of that and not being afraid to stand for that and not being afraid to represent that, which before I may not have always stood by all of that. There was times in my life, you know, here and out, depending on what spaces I was in, where I was like, how much visually I represent something. Someone looks at me and says, you're not white. So what are you exactly? And being able to not be ashamed of what I represent and um, both in faith and in heritage and being able to um, just remind people that there's that diversity there and it's beautiful and it's just part of our collective. And if that means getting other people to see their culture, their heritage, you know, we're very strong in ethnicity and, and you know, our, our ancestors came from here and we're very connected there. And being able to kind of say, yeah, it's the same here. And so just as you're strong in your lineage and your heritage and you wanna hold tight to that and you can remain your faith through that, that's what I'm doing as well. And it's, but it is the, the extra layer of having to go against the assumption of what a Native American is and what we stand for. What a beautiful picture of the redemption that God could bring to all aspects of right. life. Our guest on today's conversation has been Mariah Humphreys. I'm Walter Kim, and on behalf of us all, thank you, Mariah. National Association of Evangelicals is where we use influence for good. Today's conversation is one of many ways we help evangelicals foster thriving communities and navigate complexity with biblical clarity. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, please sign up for our email list and visit our resource hub at nae.org.